this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Everybody, it's another Sunday night, and we're here with another episode of Explain Yourself. We've got some great creators here tonight. I'm here with my host, a co-host, Joey Galvez. Joey, how's it going, man? I'm doing great. How's it going, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. I've uh, we finally getting some fall weather here. We've got the trees turning orange, so um, I'm pretty excited for that. But uh, you know, we 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 have. So I'm in Arizona, and we have like I want to say about nine months of summer, um, and we're about. We're maybe in our downward spike of we're about a hundred hundred uh, degrees still. So we're like everybody's like able to go outside now. You know, it was like <laughs> twenty degrees more about a couple months ago. So we're like we now we're going outside. We haven't left the house in like six months. So <laughs> wow. it's crazy. No, no, not really. But it, it it really does feel like that's how it is sometimes here in Arizona, and it's starting to get cool off a little bit too now. Here. Oh man, winter and fall are my favorites. I couldn't imagine that, but but yeah. I'm glad it's finally happening at least here and cooling down a little bit for you guys. Yeah. All right. Well, we have some great creators here. We're going to bring in. Um, if you've been watching the show for a while, you're definitely going to remember Kevin Joseph, who used to host the show with uh, Will, and uh, Sarah Cook, who's here to talk about her book No Spell Lasts Forever. Guys, it's great to have you here. Thanks for coming on the show. Great to be here. Thank you for welcoming me back. I thought maybe I had um, lost the privilege, so I appreciate it. <laughs> Listen, I, I popped in, right? I was in a little bit early doing some stuff, and I, and I, and I popped up. And I said, wait a minute. Am, is, it, am I, is, is, is that really Kevin, the Kevin Joseph? Uh, I, I, was, I thought it was like I had to check the time. I had to check like what month it was because I thought it was a – I thought I took a leap back really in bad. time. Well, I'm just extraordinarily <laughs> happy because the one time that Sarah was on the show when I was the host, I, I don't know if I was sick or traveling. I missed her. So <laughs> I, I, I'm just really happy to get to meet you and, you know, as, as a guest. So I, I, it really worked out perfectly for me, too. So, it worked out uh, well. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. Well, guys, you both have campaigns live now. Um, they both look great. Um, we will... Um, we're going to go through them in depth, but uh, at first, I kind of want to go to each of you and get like the quick 30-second elevator pitch on your book. Um, Sarah, start off with you. Um, tell us a little bit about No Spell Last Forever. 
Um, yeah, so this is the campaign for the second issue. Um, it is a six issue series. Uh, it's a noir urban fantasy about um, a magic wielding criminal who uh, meets an early death and uh, makes makes a deal with the devil for uh, a second chance at life. Um, the big question is, uh, will she actually be able to uh, follow through with it? Awesome. And uh, Kevin, uh, let's go over to you. Tell us a little bit about uh, this campaign for Tart. I've got devils too. I've got a time. <laughs> we both have the queen of the queen of hell, actually. Um, we, we, we've got devils, we've got queens, we've got kings, we've got a time traveling demon hunter who wakes up at the beginning of adventures without any idea where in the world she is or when in time she is, but she knows that a demon is causing trouble, and it just might have been sent by the ruling family of hell, who is who they're actually trying to uh, get in the way of. <laughs> Sounds good. I, I love it. We had uh, two guests on earlier this week, and they both had like a very similar kind of genre combination thing. And I thought, well, that worked yeah. out well. And when I was looking at your campaign pages and said, wow, they both kind of have the almost the same antagonist. I thought that's even cool. <laughs> ben, you're supposed to play it off like it was planned that way on purpose, man. We're, we're yeah. professionals here. <laughs> no one would believe. No one would ever believe I'm that organized. So figure just best to be honest. <laughs> But um, so we're going to go through the campaign pages and a little more, show off the artwork. Um, Sarah, we'll start off with you. If you want to share your screen, if you have your campaign page up, you can kind of scroll through, show off the artwork, and um, we'll ask you some questions about it. And you can kind of go through what the, you know, a little bit more about the characters, the story, how it developed, um, your team, all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, what is the best way to share my screen? <laughs> Oh, this is always my favorite part here because I get to watch everybody <laughs> squirm and figure out how to do this. <laughs> we should have a timer and we'll just kind of make a leaderboard. Make it more like so and, and some music. Yeah. <laughs> I don't and it's camp, really difficult like a sometimes. It's it's difficult sometimes too when you have like one screen and you're not doing the dual screen thing. Mm -hmm. and, and so oh, I sometimes. I can't imagine doing one screen. There's no way it would work. Yeah. <laughs> um, Is it working? I can share it too. Um, I'll just, and you can kind of tell me where to go. Screen. No spell lasts forever. All right. So here we are with no spell lasts forever. Yeah. And, um, um, so, really cool cover image. Um, I love, we had a noir comic on earlier this week. Um, which was really cool and um, always a big fan of those. But um, tell us a little bit more about how, like how you put this one together. Um, so <laughs> uh, the, uh, the artist I'm working with for the uh, second issue is uh, Easy to Savino. Um, and we uh, have been working, he's, he's just about finished with the colors right now. Um, and they're looking very cool, which is exciting. Um, but yeah, as far as, I guess, how I, how I put it together, it was, uh, three years ago when I first started writing it, I guess, almost about two and a half years ago when I first started writing it. Um, and then just found, uh, found easy and, and it's, uh, the artist for the, the first issue was, uh, Amy Holly, who is also awesome. Um, and who did that cover image, actually, this is, uh, the cover uh, for the second issue, this is Easy's cover. 
Um, I really love the colors for it. Um, and I just, I really love, I feel like uh, that's our, our protagonist Rosette in that chair there. Um, and I feel like he just really captures her kind of attitude. <laughs> um, she's, she's very much like uh, a moody kind of noir criminal type. And I think he uh, captures that really well. Oh, I agree. This is a really nice looking book. Um, I love the colors, the line art, everything's really solid. Um, you don't always see that with a lot of campaigns. So um, I always want to call it out when I see it being an artist. Um, you know, it's great to see a book that has a lot of obviously this artist spent a lot of time doing this and uh, the results are really nice. Yeah, I, I see kind of like a John Byrne X-Men type of a feel to the artwork. <laughs> yeah, totally. I love the way that he did the uh, magic effect there. Oh yeah, um, and it's uh, the the different characters who use magic. Their effects are, are different colors, and they're all kind of color coded. And just the different color combinations that he uses, I think, worked out really well. Um, I think it turned out it turned out really cool the way he does that. Oh, I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, this is definitely. I mean, at least as far as I'm concerned, this is big two caliber uh, work. There, um, oh, really thanks. good stuff. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Um, and this is, uh, this is the opening scene of the second issue at the end of the first issue is, uh, when, uh, some spoilers for issue one, but, uh, Rosette gets, gets shot and finds herself in hell. Um, and the, the end of that first issue, you kind of only get uh, a glimpse of what hell looks like. So you easy really built it out in this issue. And I, I really liked his kind of vision for it. It almost looks like a like a forest kind of setting, but like a, a forest that's on fire, which I think is different from a lot of um, kind of conceptions of hell. It looks really, to me, <laughs> I think it looks really, uh, really unique and interesting. Oh, I agree. I mean, I always think of hell as being like the Looney Tunes version when like yeah. Yosemite Sam gets sent there. So it's always <laughs> cool to see something different. Yeah. Um, we had a comment here from bmd nerd um that it looks really pulpy and i, I totally agree the, the the really thick outlines uh the, the way the colors are kind of put together in there really does give it that pulp feel um the texture as well really uh it really hangs together it's good stuff great bmd nerd actually backed the campaign so oh all right <laughs> um i think one of the things i'm most excited about which would be up a little bit on the page i think uh is the variants yeah. So that first one is a good, uh, an homage to that uh, Zatanna cover that I just really liked um, by, he <clears throat> excuse me, by uh, Hey Who Says, and I always mispronounce that, but uh, it's a Zatanna number seven is the one that it's uh, homaging. And these are all by Easy also. And then the two below it are... Uh, that's Rosette and then her, one of the antagonists, her uh, sister Elspeth. And uh, what I'm hoping to do with future issues is to kind of have uh, more covers like that for other characters. So they'll be a, a little bit collectible. Um, we already have the Lucifer one done. Uh, that'll be a variant for number three and it looks awesome. <laughs> um, so we're gonna throw in a couple other characters for, uh, for future issues too. Very cool. Yeah, I love these. I love the I love the idea of taking other covers you like, and you know, especially because the subject matter is 
is a little bit similar um, and kind of going with that. Yeah, we did the same thing for the first issue. Um, Rosette is really into old noir movies and uh, her kind of favorite old noir movie is The Big Sleep. And so the variant for issue number one was an homage to the old movie poster for The Big Sleep. Oh, cool. um, so I wanted to kind of continue with something a little, a little bit in that vein. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a good fit. It's good to see. Um, Alan uh, Dunford asks if he is his tired eyes deceiving him. Is it Kevin Joseph? Alan, you're not <laughs> not being fooled. It is Kevin Joseph. Thank you for tuning in. Um, we're going to get to Kevin's book in just a second. Um, but um, it also looks like you've got some really cool, fun stretch goals here. How big are these posters? Or are they just digital posters? They're digital. Okay. Um, one of the stretch goals, though, is to print them up uh, as cards. Uh, oh, very cool. Which would be exciting. <laughs> Everybody eats up those cards right now. Like, I, yeah. I don't know if you guys are seeing that, but um, <laughs> everybody is dying for, for cards. It's nuts. It's funny. <laughs> I'm I'm glad to see it. I love collecting those cards. I uh, I love designing them. Now that you know everybody's wanting them, it's it's a uh, there's so much fun stuff to play with uh, in different hey, genres it, and to bring in. It's keeping it's keeping me and Benjamin employed. Like keep it going. <laughs> keep these cards going. Like seriously, we've had we've had every like, it, with each one that we create, and we're we're probably gonna go through through the uh, don't push the red button campaign here a little bit, and we're gonna talk a little bit about the cards we made. And, and what was cool is it was my wife's idea. Um, oh. Everybody knows the movie Big and Zoltar Speaks, right? So we did an homage to the Zoltar Speaks tickets. Uh, and we did our own little cards. And it's going to, it's so, um, and it and it totally, it fits with the with the story and everything. So it was, it was perfect fit. And I think that's kind of those things that we see with these different, with, with our campaigns. And I, maybe I want to ask both of you guys this question to, uh, and to go with that. Do you guys see that when you guys are 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 marketing these these things, um, and you guys are creating these different stretch goals and these different uh, rewards and such, um, how close totally to the to the story do you guys stay with thinking with when you guys think out these different rewards? Um, Kevin, I see you thinking. I want to go to you first. Well, in the mostly when we've done it, we've done kind of the enamel pens as a singular extra and what i've done more more so than pinning it to pinning ha, ha uh the, the muscles come back uh pinning it to the exact uh issue i've kind of uh planned out like instead of doing one kickstarter to do an enamel pin set doing one or two per five kickstarter so that eventually people have the set um and uh spoiler alert one of our characters does die in issue 12 and I, I knew that I'd already written it. So uh, her pen came out first in issue eight because I, I wanted to make sure people got that pen uh, before her on, uh, demise. And I don't know, maybe they'd want it more or less. I wasn't sure. So it was kind of like popping those out. Now, this campaign, we're not really doing any extras because the actual printing is so expensive. I didn't want to make funding even more uh, of a, a tough pull. By, by adding another 500 or a thousand dollars worth of printing but um uh what goes into your thought process sir um yeah pretty similar i think um as like we're doing uh the stretch goal the cards is a stretch goal 
And uh, I've got buttons and stickers. I don't have the enamel pins yet, <laughs> um, but we're doing buttons and stickers. And for both of those, well, for the for the buttons, I've got um, a logo button and then one with rosette. And I'm kind of thinking of doing similar thing for future campaigns that I'm doing with the posters and the variants um, to, to do different characters for each one. Um, the stickers, it'll probably be the same thing. Um, I've got a few different ones for that, but uh, probably hoping to do the same thing for, for future ones. Um, but yeah, that's the same thing, kind of why I did the cards as, as a stretch goal, uh, to try not to add too, too much to printing costs. Um, trying to keep that in mind too. Um, and then with the stickers and the buttons, they uh, are part of some of the higher up tiers. They're also available as uh, rewards. Um, but it was that balance kind of trying to figure out, okay, like where do I put them? What tier do I put them at so people can like get them if they really want them and not have to spend a ton of money, but then I'm also not spending a ton on getting them made and, and shipping them. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think too, I often think, what's super cool that I want? <laughs> you yeah, know, and, exactly. and it's a very, the, those those extra things are kind of very selfish. It's like, I think it'd be really cool to have a tart enamel pen. Let's make that the thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Right. I mean, you got to be careful though, right? Because like, I really, really, really want a cool uh, statue, right? you can't go in and do a statue for one of your rewards for your first campaign ever right and and, and expect that it's going to do well like it, maybe mm -hmm. that's a really bad analogy but but mm -hmm. uh it, but it's along those lines right you have to think about those things like if this is going to be your first or your second campaign you kind of have to think about these these rewards and, and know kind of what your trends are and kind of see how the last campaign did and kind of think out those different things. Um, ben, do you, how, do you, how do you um, go about the different rewards and, and things when you think out your campaigns? Well, when I was doing my first one, I was really worried about two things. The first thing was you can get the, you can kind of price these things when you're setting up your campaign. And I, I was doing that, but I was also worried about, this was, I think in early 2021. So that was when paper was, I didn't actually run into this with that campaign, but there were paper shortages, or at least people saying there were um, lots of delays and, and obviously price jumps and stuff like that that kind of fluctuate with demand. And my concern was, okay, it's going to take me three or four months to put the book together to send it to print. Um, in that time frame, am I going to, you know, price out, say, cards or something like that at, at one price? And, I'm, and I was not really, you know, asking for a ton of money on that campaign and tried to make sure everything could scale. But if, if I had a price jump on the printing of the books or a price jump on say cards or something else like that, um, that would have been a really tough uh, thing to work out. So I was, I was really sweating the details on that, checking all the time to make sure that those quotes would still hold up for a few months. And that, that was a, a big thing on my mind, especially at the first campaign out. And uh, one thing I did was uh, I made sure to look for stuff that I could probably do the add-ons. Um, I handled them as add-ons, but I could get them fulfilled, at least sent to me, um, as soon as the campaign was done. So I wasn't looking at, you know, waiting four months for the book to be done, then going and ordering all that stuff at once. Um, I looked at a, a few places that did um, apparel on demand and I actually wanted to be kind of silly with it. I got a uh, Captain Lancet uh, apron that you could order for like 30 or 40 bucks. Yeah. Like 10, 15 people got it, which is a lot more than I thought. It was almost 
put in there as a joke. But the cool thing about that was I could, as soon as the campaign was over, I had, I think, you know, whatever, 10, 15 people that got it. Uh, as soon as I got the funds, I could make that order. And that was done, you know, within a month. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a good, uh, a good way for me to manage, to look for things that I could do right away. And I wouldn't at least have to worry about anything but the right. books, paper going up and down in price. Yeah, it's always really good to kind of look around, right? Like, and, and think about outside of the box, like those those uh, apron ideas. Um, Alan, who was in the in the in the comments, he does a book called Grandma Chainsaw, and he did an apron in one of his campaigns. And and uh, I can't remember. I believe that he had somebody. I don't know if it was on Etsy or he had somebody locally who created these aprons and they embroider them. Uh, it was like, like handmade embroidery and all this stuff. It was beautifully done. Right. And so you can go, you know, think, think of it outside the box and go within your own community because, you know, these four walls, this is, you know, there's more things outside these four walls. There's people who are creative within the community. You can go out there, check out their Etsy pages and, 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 Put in an order for ten or fifteen of them, and say, "Hey, yeah, I've got ten or fifteen of these, and put them at a price point that that fits, you know, what you paid for them, and and, and what you can ship them out for." And and those kind of things people really love, right? And, and especially if you market it as you know such that it was handmade and you know locally sourced kind of stuff. So it's very very interesting that you guys you know do things like that when you put just a little bit of thought into these things that kind of stepped up your campaign just a little bit more. Yeah. But the uniqueness of the apron really <laughs> jumps to me like that. Like, yeah. yeah, 15 people did it, but 15 people got it and opened the box and laughed their ass off when they saw it. Right? You know, like so. they'd forgotten, <laughs> they'd forgotten that they had ordered an apron from uh -huh. you and like, Oh yeah. So you know, like, I really <laughs> hoped I would get pictures. I haven't gotten any pictures. <laughs> listen, my wife, listen, we have one and it says grandma chainsaw. On like it literally says Grandma Chainsaw uh, on her on the apron. My wife used it every single day until that thing was wore out. Murdering? Like, like yes. I mean, the only way you need an apron that says Grandma Chainsaw, right? But I wasn't gonna say that on TV. <laughs> but no, yeah. Um, just thinking, just a little bit outside the box, it'll it'll step up your campaign just that much. Absolutely. So um, as far as looking at our campaigns, uh, Kevin, let's switch over to you. Do you want to present um, your campaign page and kind of take us through the same thing, artwork, characters? I know yours is a little different in that you're kind of this is a collection sure, and, um, and kind of just take us through that if you can. Absolutely. So what we are collecting for this is the third arc of Tart. Like I, I said at the beginning, in case somebody's just popped in, Tart is a time traveling demon hunter. She basically works for a group that calls themselves the Toxic Fruit, and they try to keep order in our timeline because the first family of hell has lost something in time and has decided that the way to draw that thing out is to basically send demons to pivotal, pivotal times in history and muck everything up. Because they figure if they can kind of create chaos in the timeline, this thing that they lost might be found. Um, so we've already collected issues. Sounds like it sounds like Disney was dipping in Kevin Joseph's uh, work over here. For for what? I don't I don't know. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Somebody I, was stealing. I, I I'm not gonna say <coughs> Loki. 
Oh, well, I, I like, I've watched Loki and I haven't felt like uh, we were too close to each other. So I'm, I'm, I'm cool with Tom Hiddleston. He, he and I are cool and uh, Owen Wilson's like a writing god of mine. So they're, they're good. They're good. I'm not, I'm not worried about what they've done. Yeah, um, there was a show on Netflix called, I think, 83 or something like or Archive 81 or something of that nature. And it revolves around summoning a demon uh, in, I think, the 1930s or something like that. And I had done Starlet Twilight about a year before that, but they summoned the demon in literally the exact same way. Oh, um, that's crazy. like it was almost shot for shot. I was just like, oh my god! It's it's so glad but that's the, that's the thing, right? That's the thing, though. Everything has been done. Life. Yeah, right. Everything's been done. So it just has, have fun. I did. Just I did fun. see um, a TV show coming out, and I was like, whoa wow, this feels real. And I got my hackles up and I looked it up and it was from a comic that came out in like 1993. So I was like, oh, 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 well, I think I, I'm going to lose this lawsuit. <laughs> I'd never heard of it before, but it was very similar in concept. So, you know, there's stuff out there in the ether and oh, yeah. you grab what you can. And sometimes we grab the same fruit and do our best to make our make a different smoothie. I was just worried people would think I ripped it off because it was so yeah. close. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I so sorry. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we all we all rip off. We we all rip off from from our our favorites. So you know, like I, I'm I'm definitely uh, if you're a Neil Gaiman fan and you see similarities, it's because I'm also a Neil Gaiman fan and draw right. strong inspiration from from his stuff. Uh, and uh, if, if I'm stealing, I'm stealing from the best. So, um, but we, we collected issues one, two, and three for volume one uh, in a hardcover. And last year, we decided to try to match that hardcover with volume two with issues four through seven. And it came out beautifully. So this year, we had five issues uh, done and ready to go. And uh, Ludo had to take Ludo Vixale is my co-creator and the artist on Tarp, and he had to take another higher-paying job. Uh, unfortunately, I can't pay him what some other people pay him, like what he's worth. My dog is now attacking me, um, and uh, so we said, "Well, we can't get issue sixteen out yet. Let's try to get this collection out," and that's what we're doing. Um, so they're just as nice a hardcover as we can possibly afford. Um, and this is kind of like we, 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 we jumped on the witch starter things. So we wanted to make sure we talked about the witchiness of our characters too. Here's the other trick guys. If you can get on the algorithm of Kickstarter, any which way you got, you got to try it. Um, but we're now getting into some of the, um, the stories from this arc. Basically the third arc is kind of us telling you what this series is really is about as far as Tart is concerned. There um, is a being lost in time that the first family of hell wants back. And there's a group of toxic fruit who wants to protect that being. Um, and so their entire job is just to keep order in the timeline. And they've lost some care. They've lost some of their agents to death and retirement. And issues eight and nine, we send Tart and some of our, our other characters around time to recruit uh, new um, new souls because all of our toxic fruit are uh, the second lives of murdered teenagers. Uh, and they've all been murdered by something um, supernatural. 
So they're giving a chance to try to help the next person, but they have to gamble their heavenly reward to do it. If our toxic fruit die in battle, they go straight to hell. And so that's kind of what we learn in issues eight and nine. And issue 10, we get to meet this lady who is the queen of hell. And for us, she is the embodiment of carnal lust. Uh, to know her is to want to be with her. And uh, there are some beings that have cut bits of themselves off for the chance to possibly be with her. I'm not saying she said yes or no, but I'm saying it was worth the uh, being's effort to try. And uh, after some training in issues 10 and 11, our newest recruits get to go into a battle against the crown prince of hell. And uh, that's that's what we got. It's uh, We're really excited. It's it's my, my favorite arc so far because it's got our biggest battle and our, we finally tell people what the heck the story is really, really, really about. Um, and um, my dog, Lady, we had this photo when we first got her, and I'm going to turn the computer around, and if I mess this up, I'm sorry. <laughs> See her over there. She's in her pet bed. Uh, so she's bigger <laughs> and just as lovely. Um, that's it. When um, Basically, I want everybody to jump in on TART any way they feel comfortable. We've got a digital tier for $20 where I did the math. There's 364 pages of TARP stories for $20, and that doesn't even include any of the bonus. That's just issues one through 15. So if you wanted wow. to check it out and find out if we're a book for you, um, just grab the digital, 20 bucks. Uh, I'll even send you issues one, two, and three right now because my theory is if you're going to back me, even if I haven't, even if I don't fund, I'm going to get you something to read. Now, I think we're going to fund. I'm very, very confident. Uh, we're over 77% of the way, and we've got almost three weeks left. But um, I'm still going to send the PDF and try to get you to read it. Who knows? If you fall in love, you might um, want to bump up to uh, the catch-up tier where you get all three hardcovers. And I love the design of that cover, um, just the, the small card sort of layout. That's I always try and do that. I can never quite get it to work out uh, the way I hope it will. But you, you really nailed it there. That looks great. Well, Ludo kind of came to me, and and there is an artist, and and I'd have to go into the face the Facebook message to see who who he was inspired by. But it was I, I believe a Renaissance painter who did a bunch of these type paintings where there were. Uh, uh, you know, motif was like hundreds of characters doing different scenes. And when he shows you the original and it, you're like, oh, my God, that's so gorgeous. Isn't I uh, Hieronymus Bosch? It looks a little like that. That could, that doesn't sound unfamiliar. Um, so I think, I think so. Um, so that's really. Listen, ben, ben knows his artist. Like Ben yeah. is a connoisseur, <laughs> dude. Like it's like it's crazy. He'll just look at something. And he'll name <laughs> name who it is. It's oh yeah. You, 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 it's hard to stump me. I mean, you, you might like trick me on like a Rich Buckler Marvel issue from like 1981, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pretty good. So, and, and um, if you're if you're watching on the thing, these are just some of the pages um, that are in this arc, and I put these up specifically to show every one of the pages we're going to go through are illustrated by the same artist, Ludovic Sele. Um, he 
takes the scripts that I send and works his um, art style to match the script. So even though we pop around in how everything you see on this page is, they're all Ludo illustrating our series. And to have an artist who is that flexible and that smart and creative is a godsend for a writer. Yeah, I love these pages. I was looking at these before. They look like those old 30s travel posters a little bit. Um, there's another a really specific artist, and I can't recall, um, that these really do remind me of. Well, but this one specifically great. is we sent the girls to the 1936 Berlin Olympics. Oh, okay. So he made sure to um, create the art style that we're to put people. And it feels in. like that. Yeah. yeah. One of the things That's I okay. think personally is if you're doing a time traveling story, and your characters think of themselves as heroes. I think you have to answer, would you kill Hitler? <laughs> I think you have to answer that, right? I think you have to answer, would you stop evil if you're a time traveler? And if you do, I think you have to answer. And if you don't, I think you have to answer why. And it, issue 11 is a training um, a training issue, but it's it's a lot of, explaining to our audience why or why not like what are our characters are they heroes or not and uh i playing in the gray areas is something that ludo really wanted to do with this series you know when we started working together i kind of had the good guy beat up bad guy thing and, and ludo mm -hmm. was like i don't really want to do that i want to kind of i want it to be a little gray and a little messy and i thought oh that's fun let's play with that so I'm glad he did that with you because this this feels like and and from the beginning of from the very beginning that I seen you do this book, it's always felt like 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 the state of Kickstarter right is a lot of books that wouldn't really fit into the direct market right. So this definitely feels like this is a space for it. The Kickstarter <laughs> is the space for something like this because it's different, and I love that. Yeah, in it, in it. And allowed me to kind of be less obvious and, and you know, just not be cliche because I know that the first person to read it is Ludo. So I can't be cliche because he doesn't want to be cliche. And I'm going to ask Sarah, um, when you write about hell, what is your um, what is your inspiration from from what you have been taught? biblical hell is do you follow it pretty closely do you kind of play with your own hell i play with my own more so i think um i mean it's informed by biblical ideas of it but also informed by just versions of hell that that i've loved in other movies and, and shows and comics and um just trying to make it unique and make it kind of be something that fits with the story that I'm telling. Like one of the conversations that I had with Easy about how we were going to depict hell, I was saying like my first kind of thought was that it would be more like less forest-like and more kind of like Midwestern plains-like. But I thought that just doesn't, doesn't look as interesting visually, but I wanted it to be something that was a contrast to Rosette's like day-to-day -day life, which is very like urban in New York City. Um, so I wanted it to be something that felt completely different. Um, so she would be, because she's someone who has magic and is like 
very controlled in what she does and, and is always in control. And I wanted her to be very much out of her element, which was um, kind of a big part of, of how we did it for this one. That's cool. We, <laughs> ours is kind of crazy make em ups too. My first, so Ludo and I started working. He liked my, my script for what would ended up being tart number one. And then we decided, well, if we're going to do this, we really need to figure out what we're, what story we're really telling. And uh, so I came up with an idea that the person behind all of this was Lucifer trying to make amends. So all of this story was about Lucifer trying to grab people to do the right thing so that Lucifer could get forgiveness. And I kind of had like a eight page like thing to Ludo and I sent it and I, I couldn't have been prouder. It was just such a good idea. And he wrote me back. I don't want to do that. That I don't want to do something that's so close to the Bible. And I was like, well, that kind of sucks, <laughs> but that is going to save me so much time researching. <laughs> I don't have to be right anymore. So now we're just like, well, there's a first family hell. There's a, there's a jerk husband, a jerk wife, a bunch of jerk sons, and we, we, we go on and we tell our story. So ours is ours is as close to hell as the good places version of heaven. Like some of the stuff makes sense, but uh, mm -hmm. other than that, not really. <laughs> yeah. Same for I, us. I like the Lucifer idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You can have it. You can do it. I'm not doing that research at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I would have done it eight years ago, but I'm too tired. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's a few projects I've been researching that I, you know, whenever I do go back in like the 30s or 40s or just some time period you can research, I always get hung up on do I, I, I have this instinct, I really want to be as close as I can. I was, when I was doing Scarlet Twilight One, I, I just moved away from Manhattan and I had a point where I really needed the panel to go left to right. But the only way that street that I know the guy would have to go down to get to where he needed to be from where he was, he would need to pretty much be going right to right to left. And I couldn't make myself do was an artist I ought to have done, which is just flip, flip it around and nobody will ever notice. But uh, I had to do it. I couldn't help it. I get I get that. I, I get that 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 feeling of I eh, but it's wrong. One thing that I love about doing the time travel stuff is, you know, we have to place it here, there, and everywhere. And I kind of get to do that lazy man historical research. I kind of look through and I, I get, you know, four, five, six articles about the time and the place. Mm -hmm. And I have a, a nice sense of what it is. And then I let it go and I just write it. So we're pretty close. We're close enough that it's going to get away. But, but I don't kind of like... I don't worry so much about the details that if we get some, if we get something wrong, it just means that a demon messed something up and changed time. <laughs> so oh, that, it's written in. <laughs> yes, yeah. The time, the time that we showed in the comic, that was true. It's just no longer correct in our time, time streams. So. I mean, part of it comes from being an artist and, you know, I really don't want to redo something I've already done. I yeah. maybe 15 years ago, I was drawing a comic for a small press place and when it came out somebody emailed me in great detail talking about they had a green arrow hawkeye analog guy and i just drew him the way they always draw green arrow and, and hawkeye with they're like no you need this arm guard and this stuff here this is all wrong he'd break his arm if he did that 
And I was like, okay, thank you for that. But uh, and part of me is just like, if I ever do that again, I'm going to have to do a little research and, and put that stuff in there, at least to kind of do what you said, which is do a little bit of research and at least nod to the fact that so when that person sends you that email, and, and they will, you know, and you've got at least a little bit of it covered. <laughs> my, my editor saved my ass, Cassie Bell. Um, this was issue uh, 15. We have Tart walking in on a murder scene that the police have already been there. And so I wrote in the script that the, the tape outline is on the floor. And Cassie wrote me back and she said, you know, they never did that. So what do you mean? She goes, they never, the police have never done tape outlines. They would only do the tape to show photographers for the newspapers where the body was. Mm. Mm. And she saved my ass because I've seen movies of it my whole life. Of course, cops do it because why would a movie put that in if the cops don't do it? So we, we took it out of the script and we fixed it. But there's some things that you know to be true that are wrong. Yeah. And that is that's dangerous because you don't research the stuff you know is true. I think I had read that somewhere yeah. that that was never it, it makes sense because they've always had you know, for the most part, they've had photography. There's really no reason to further represent hey this is where this is the, the number of things is what they do where the evidence is you know like number one is a bullet casing number two is a blood splatter you know what whatever the thing is but you know i thank god for cassie every time i have a script but that day i really thank god for cassie <laughs> we have uh easy here in the chat um great to see you um we're just talking about how great your art was so i'm great. glad to see you here <laughs> Yeah, your work is killing. Yeah, it's great. Stuff. Make it. it's, been, it's been cool. The last few weeks, we've had some really great. I mean, I'm an artist first, so I'm always kind of when I'm looking at these campaigns, I, I'm looking at the graphic design. I'm looking at the art. Um, it's been really cool. And sometimes things can do well on Kickstarter with not necessarily the greatest art. I think there's a tolerance there. If, if you have some good cover art, you have a good, a good pitch, good story. I think there's some some range in there where people will support those projects. And that's a really good thing to to see happen because, you know, you can't really afford the greatest artist right out of the gate a lot of times. Um, it's good that there's kind of a, a farm system that working. The books we've looked at these last few weeks have all been top notch art, great design. Um, and that's that's also, I mean, really nice to see, especially as an artist. I can sit here and talk about I love these textures. I love this design, all that stuff. So um, it, it I feel like a lot of the stuff on Kickstarter has leveled up just a bit in the last few months, which is cool. So I, I think, I think some of the best work is coming out on Kickstarter personally, but you know, and I, I don't even, in fact, I don't think that I know that a lot of the best work is coming out on Kickstarter and some of the work is people trying it for the first time and learning. And that's great too. But I, I think that it's, it's amazing. I mean, certain names always came up when I was doing this show and, and they're still killing it. You know, the Pat Shans and the Charlie Stickney's of the world are still absolutely killing it on, on the thing, but there's, there's kind of every level of, of a book out there. And it's, that's great about Kickstarter. There's no one telling you, no, you can't do this, put it up there. If the audience likes it, you get to make your book. Yeah. And I think there's an appetite yeah. for, different art styles that you don't necessarily get. I think two things kind of <clears throat> kind of mess with the big two at the moment is they're really cutting page rates. I, I think that's, I've seen that a lot. I think 
and I believe it to be true. Um, so you're getting a little bit, you can definitely see where stuff is rough. There's also, while the styles have broadened out a little bit, um, thankfully from what there was in like the nineties where you really only had a couple styles that, that Marvel and DC put out, there was a little bit more variation, but at the same time, it's not a ton. And you look at, you know, just the books you guys are putting out. There's some really cool stuff there that I think would probably go, you know, a little bit outside the bounds of what you get from a book from a big pub. I'm not to exclude Image and IDW. They they're all over the place too. Right, right. Um, you know, you get I think the quality, but you also get a little bit of a different feel, which I think there is a big appetite for. The um, and it also makes your story better if it you can kind of tailor it to that. I'm always changing my style up depending on uh, you know what the story's about, what the time period's about. What kind of stuff I'm just into at the time, and I think that all works out good. And I, I think it's a, a big something that really draws in readers to Kickstarter. You're going to get something a little bit different. The quality is generally going to be pretty consistent with what you could get at the comic shop. Yeah, and we have the freedom to do as many pages as we need. Uh, you know, if you go grab a Marvel book, it's going to be what 18 pages and then 14 pages of ads, and it's going to be 18 pages, whether they needed 30 pages to tell the story or six, you're going to get 18 pages of comic. Uh, I mean, whatever it is, 20, 18, it's 22, but it's, it wouldn't surprise me. It's finite and it's whatever, but yeah, the the Kickstarter is is a place where you could stretch your, stretch your legs a little bit, right? Yeah. The five Mm -hmm. comics I have in my, in my collection are 24, 24, 32, 24 and 28 because that's what we needed to tell those stories. Yeah, you no know, Charlie. Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> Charlie Stickney's will be like fifty-two pages an issue. I don't care. Like Charlie's nuts. He's 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 out there. But but that's what he wanted to do for his issue. And and guess what? It got you to the aha moment in Wyash number one that made me a lifelong fan. So he was right to do forty-eight or fifty uh, pages. Mm-hmm. And that's why I I say Kickstarter or or crowdfunding is the place to stretch your legs or like I've said or 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 do things that are outside of the box that does or or outside of the norm of what mm-hmm. you know the direct market would consider you know comic books. Mm-hmm. This is where you can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So um, before we talk about some other campaigns, um, I just want to bring your. Uh, campaigns back up one more time and share the link. Um, no spell lasts forever is pretty close to its goal. A um, little bit, um, obviously, twenty six days ago, just a little bit left. So yeah, very close. Hopefully, that will cross the finish line pretty soon. And I'm gonna throw the link in our our uh, chat here, and I'm also gonna share another look at Tart Volume One through Three. Um, also, 17, 17 days to go, um, pretty close to its goal as well. So check this out. And um, again, it's been really fun to talk about these these great books. Um, but I know Joey has a book uh, we want to talk about a little bit um, called "Don't Push the Red Button." Yeah, we uh, we're launching uh, "Don't Push the Red Button" tomorrow, and uh, I would like to pull that up for me, Ben. So, um, and we'll give everybody like a little sneak peek. Of behind the scenes a little bit, um, but yeah, it's it's a 100 page anthology. And sorry, my kids are telling telling us that they don't want to go to bed. Um, <laughs> Who does? 
<laughs> right? <laughs> it's been, listen, they've been in there for like like almost an hour and a half. It's like, cause t- it, their bedtime is a long time ago. They are just playing. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, but don't push the red button is a 100 page anthology uh, with 11 different stories, over 30 plus different uh, comic book creators. Uh, the premise is if you were approached uh, to uh, press uh, press button and win lots of money, but the catch is somebody close to you would die, would you press it? Um, it's going to follow uh, all kinds of different stories within this this uh, anthology that spans uh, all over from from uh, suspense, horror, thriller, drama. All all it's going to run the gamut of these amazing different a lot across eleven different stories of different genres of of the. Uh, of stories here within there. Um, we have a blockbuster team, uh, you know, tons of really great people uh, attached to this. Um, let's see, uh, let's see, do you have the page up? Do I need to get it up there for you? Uh, I'm gonna, I need to see if I can share it from an incognito tab because otherwise it will share the. Um, yes, <laughs> it'll, the it'll show page. all our. It'll show all of our all of our edits, all the fun stuff behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, no, I just I had it there and I'm like, wait, I can't. It's gonna go to the other one and we don't want to do that. But <laughs> here is the pre-launch page. Pre-launch page. So um, we got all kinds of really cool looking tiers with inside. Let me pull it up on my side over here so I can see what I'm talking about. Um, all the cool stuff. We're gonna have early bird tiers, and um, this this is a, like I said, 100 plus pages. Um, I am not the creator of this. I am just uh, running this the show for this for the curator of the story. He is from Lima, Peru, and uh, he just what, what's cool about this story is that he came up with the story that when him and his girlfriend were having conversation, and this kind of topic came up, and they thought, hey, you know, like like we all do, we have always had we all had that that uh, moment where like. Hey, that's that's gonna be a comic book, right? We should we should make a comic book out of that, um, and that's what happened here. And and they got to thinking about this would be really good to bring in a bunch of really great creators and and create an anthology out of this. So he put out the call, and like over one hundred plus professional comic book creators out there, like all kinds of really great names. Like like it was nuts the names that like like uh, submitted stories, and he had to whittle them down to eleven. But he's got so much now that that there's probably going to be a volume two. So let's make sure that this one gets funded. Um, we have some great covers by uh, uh, Francesca Fantini and Leona Kangas. Um, very very cool stuff. Um, that's I, I don't want to take up everybody else's time uh, because we're probably going to talk about this one to show everybody the back like the actual live page next week. Um, but. If you guys are, please, if you guys aren't following this one, make sure you guys click that one to follow, uh, notify on launch. Uh, seriously, this is going to be a really fun fun one here. Um, I've read some of the stories already, some of the some of the, the first scripts, and they are, like, they're nuts. Um, we have, listen, I'm going to run down the gamut of the different people who are on this story. We have, uh, like I said, Francesca Fentini that's going to be on this one. We have Travis Gibb. And his team uh, from Orange Cone is going to be on this one. Mario Candelari and his team. Uh, we got uh, Marcus Donasso and Ignacio Domiglio. It's like some gotta, really cool names, right? I do have a question. Is it illegal to have an anthology without Mario and Travis? Right. This is, that's where I'm like getting all Certainly these names out here. They're no, all I, attached to all kinds of I mean, I respect the hustle. Right? Those, dudes, those dudes put the work in. 
Uh, right? And then there's even some really cool um, backup stories that's going to happen. There's, uh, 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 let's see, you got um, Tom Napolitano is going to be on this one. Like a handful of other people that are going to be on this one if, if we get this one funded. So uh, make sure that you guys are following this campaign. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Um, yeah, excited to launch this one. I've seen some of the artwork too. Um, seen the covers, uh, very cool stuff, and it's a great concept with some great creators. All right, and I had some stuff I wanted to share. I've been teasing this for a few weeks. I showed off the sketch a three weeks ago, I think. Um, but I have the first promo image for the follow up to We Are Scarlet Twilight. I'm going to start posting that this week. And um, kind of just building up to getting this campaign going for probably early next year. I have a couple of meetings I need to get get through, kind of get everything uh, I'd say like nailed down as far as uh, what we can do when we ought to do it. But uh, excited to really start putting some stuff out there about this one. It's going to be basically of secret wars and crisis on the infinite earths, but kind of put together as if it had been made in the 1940s when comics were just getting started. When you had your Golden Age Superman, Batman, JSA. That type of thing. So it's giving me a chance to design a lot of cool uh, sort of retro superheroes to keep Captain Lancet and Co. busy dealing with. And uh, I'm really pumped to uh, to really start getting some more artwork for this out there. I'm going to have a few promo images. This is the first one. And uh, hopefully just get ready to build up some hype to um, to when we can roll this one out. Um, BMD Ed Nerd is asking if this is a sequel or prequel. This is a sequel to the first Scarlet Twilight. The, um, you know, ends up where the world was taken over by vampires. This guy you see in front here, Captain Lancet, um, kind of put things right, uh, is trying to rebuild the world, but a obviously much bigger crisis is uh, is kind of knocking at the door. So it's a sequel to the first Scarlet Twilight that you can still get at Red 5 Comics, and hopefully we'll be putting out a trade of that in the direct market uh, about when this campaign is releasing. So um, Very cool. That we'll, is just we'll such we'll a check classic old school image that yeah. is awesome. thanks that's awesome <laughs> it's basically secret wars but from the side like captain america's charging everybody in that and then uh, a bunch of the elements you see in all those cool crisis uh george perez covers so yeah uh, it was a lot Very of fun cool. together um one other thing we should mention is grandma chainsaw is out now all right so how many days do they have left Five. I think they got, there's about five more days left. I just put them on my update chainsaw. tonight. They got five, yeah. five days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's another one that we are involved with. Uh, we, we built that campaign as well. And we, um, I am actually uh, the lead PR uh, rep over at the, with the studio that create that creates Grandma Chainsaw and Pocus Hocus and Horse and Hell. Um, we've got a couple other ones though. There's, there's another one that I, I'm going to mention the name. But I'm not going to say anything about it because it's hush hush. It's going to be. It's called mostly dead. That's all I'm going to say. Nothing else. Uh, nobody else has heard it yet. Um, so tons of really cool stuff coming from them. Great, great team. This is not your typical slasher horror, right? But this I can tell you guys, their... mostly dead is written by Carrie. Always, I can, I can, <laughs> I can put it out there. That's exciting. No, not that one. <laughs> no, are enough just... celebs getting in on these things that I, I right. think for oh a second gosh. to myself, like, is he serious? That's not. <laughs> yeah, that's, not the one. <laughs> that's not the one I'm talking about. This one's, oh, okay. This one's... <laughs> but fun, right? Anyway. Um, this one gra follows your, uh, you know, Grandma Hazel. This is the third issue of the installment. This is the penultimate issue. So 
If you guys aren't on this one, you guys got to get in on this one. You guys will be able to grab each and every single issue up to this one. Uh, we've met a handful of people in here. I don't want to give any spoilers away for anybody who hasn't read it uh, because we're now issue three and there's going to be nothing but spoilers. So all I'm going to say is grandma with a chainsaw, obviously there's going to be <laughs> killing and there's going to be people running away trying to get away, get out of there, right? But it's it, this is the thing. It is not your typical slasher horror series. Um, so there's some tons of fun little twists and turns in this one. I know the ending. You guys don't. And I'm going to tell you, there's even more, uh, more cool twists coming. So, uh, I, issue, I read issue, issue one four is coming soon. Issue one is tons of fun. I know that. I know. I can guarantee you on issue one, it's tons of fun. I think I've read so, one and most of two. And to to follow up on what Joey's saying, there's a lot of good twists, but it also gives you, if you're there for like your '80s horror throwback stuff for those elements, you're going to get all that stuff too. It, it plays with that stuff. It takes a little bit beyond, but you're still getting all that great atmosphere, um, that, that kind yep, of vibe. Yep, yep. And five days left, so make sure you guys are, are checking this one out. All kinds of really affordable tiers, um, tons of fun stuff here with this one. Um, if we can get we're, – we're close to getting another unlock. These are some really – and here we go. We were talking about cards, right? Uh, me <laughs> and uh, Ben actually designed these cards. Ben, if you want to show that that first oh, card. Oh, yeah, let me up. Uh, we so there's so. a gra there's a grandma chainsaw one up there, and you might have the other ones behind the scenes. But yeah, we created funny. these really cool fun cards. Th these are another uh, other homage cards to the Fright Flicks cards. You know those those cards with with the with all the different uh, uh, horror movie cards, and different people had those those really cool uh, ones, right? So we had a really cool thought to you know because this is a horror. This is the '80s vibe. This is the the horror stuff. So. We had to kind of be here. We go. That was my question in the beginning, right? Uh, we felt like creating these cards mm -hmm. was good. We had to be on this kind of brand with this this story. It's kind of this '80s horror vibe, so we wanted to do this really cool, fun homage to the '80s horror. So we created these these really cool homage cards. Um, this this is one that will be unlocked if we can get to what is it, forty five? I think four thousand five hundred. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're almost to 4,000. So if we can get to 4,500, we're going to unlock this one. Nobody's seen this one yet. This is the mystery one. So we're showing everybody here now first for the first time. Um, so the first one we had, we had uh, everybody on the first day, everybody who backed on day one was able to get the first card uh, for free. Um, and then we, we wanted to make sure that everybody who did not get to back on the first day had an actual Grandma Hazel card as well. Um, so we're going to have two Hazel cards for the people who backed for the first day. And if we unlock this one as well. So let's get this one uh, over that, that stretch goal so we can get this one unlocked, guys. So, um, But be, that, that's all the plugging I'm going to do for our stuff. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> this show's about you guys, not us. Well, I was just reminded that Alan Dunford made me watch Suburban Sasquatch on Tubi. <laughs> Uh, so, um, I'm, I can't really tell if I thank him for that or will hold that against him for as long as I live. Uh, and it yeah. kind of depends one day is one and another day is the next. That was, that was something. So if you want to watch, yeah, if you want to watch, if you people made a movie for about $80 and they did make a movie. <laughs> I, and it, listen, if you want to find, if you want to go to somebody with a very, 
uh, odd off off color kind of uh, list of to be random movies. It's it's gonna be Alan Dunford. <laughs> yeah, we, we we shared some, and his was Suburban Sasquatch, and that was uh, <laughs> that was that was something. So <laughs> yeah, and he's he's mentioned a couple to me too, and I. I downloaded Tubi just to go look for him, and I said, "No, dude, I'm not gonna watch this. What the heck are you re- recommending?" <laughs> I'm not gonna like, lie; it took me like a full month to finish *Suburban Sasquatch*. I could only give it like eight minutes oh, at a time, man. and then I just had to go. But they did it. They there made a damn movie. I've never made a movie. Am I gonna have to check this out now? I'm I'm kind of feeling like <laughs> I got a little bit of work left to do tonight. I'm probably gonna put something on to watch while I do it, and it might be suburban Sasquatch. There there are a couple moments where I was proud of what they did. I, I think it's it's bad, but it's worth watching. There you go. Fair enough. Well, so we have some some viewing recommendations as well for everybody. If you're checking this out an hour later and you're checking out before Halloween. Um, got some good stuff to watch. One other thing I want to mention before we sign off is uh, if you're putting together your campaign, um, we have a deal with uh, Gemini Comic Supply. You put in that code you see there, Geek Collective 10, you can get 10% off your order. Uh, can be a big help in keeping those costs down while also getting your backers your stuff in good condition, uh, which yeah. is always a best practice type of thing. And I will say yeah. that there was a, a day we had a torrential uh, rainstorm and it went into my mailbox. And I grabbed the Kickstarter rewards. Um, I think it was Chris Morse. And I was like, these are, these are done. These are done. It was just the, the cardboard was a different color. Oh, wow. Oh, man. I, I opened it up. Comics were perfect. The Gemini oh. mailer, even it, it couldn't have been wetter, but just it absorbed all of it and it kept the comics perfect. Wow. So I, I recommend. If your comics fit, I recommend Gemini, and why not pay ten percent less? Yeah, yeah. and and, and I've you don't know how many people that have have uh, mentioned and, and messaged me and said, "Dude, thank you so much for that that code because it saved me a couple hundred bucks off of that, and I really needed that couple extra hundred bucks this time around." So, um, so like seriously, it's it takes off a good a little amount off your each till, mm-hmm. and and if you do that each campaign, right, it adds mm-hmm. up. So make sure you guys are using that Geek Collective 10 at checkout at GeminiMailing.Supply.com. All right. Well, guys, uh, I guess we're going to sign off. Um, thank you so much for coming on um, and showing us your books. In addition, your books are great. So it was it's really fun to go through them and look at the pages, talk about the stories. Uh, and it was great having you here. Great thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you for having me back. And, sir, I'm really glad I got to meet you. <laughs> yeah, glad we got to connect this time. <laughs> All right. We'll see everybody next week. In the meantime, keep working on your comics. Keep checking out these campaigns. And we will see you next Sunday.